Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up? Welcome in. This is the Herd, wherever you may be in. However, you may be making this part of your day. Thanks so much. In for Colin Cowherd, I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you stuck with me, kids. As uh, March continues to be mad, not just in basketball. What starting quarterback, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Hall of Famer will be moved? Tune in today, kids, as suddenly the NFL has movement. It moved! All right, so, um, look, we'll get to the Lakers losing to the Rockets last night. Uh, we will, uh, we, we may have a baseball season during the show. Like, it seems like they got really close, and then Rob Manfred goes like, ah, do more series. So we're moving back opening day. And it's, you know, the devil gets into the details, I understand it, but. At some point, you go like, hey, fellas, we're kind of losing some checks here. Uh, Brock Hewitt's going to join us in 15 minutes. He, have, uh, among other things, quarterback and Seattle and Seahawks fame. We'll get his thoughts on the departure of Russell Wilson and the wake left behind or the quarterback kind of vacuum left behind. There is still one gigantic quarterback potentially out there. We don't know about Deshaun Watson. But to, to me, the, the, the story of Carson Wentz and what took place yesterday, where Wentz was dumped, you know, just a year into his tenure with the Colts, this after he was, he kind of gave up on it. And they, it was a mutual, easy parting of the ways from the Eagles to the Colts. And, you know, congratulations to the Eagles to get that first-round pick. But what's fascinating to me is the two very different ways of looking at the exact same guy. Some of it may be that we have expectations that are unrealistic for Carson Wentz once he got back with Carson, with uh, Frank Reich, right? We thought, well, if he gets back with Frank Reich, you know, well, then he's, he's going to be back to MVP caliber Carson Wentz. And that didn't happen. And it was the season ended poorly. But Washington's sitting there, and he wasn't their first, he wasn't their second, he wasn't their third, he wasn't their fourth. Okay, but he gets to be a choice that falls into our lap, and we didn't have to extend ourselves out that much. You know, we didn't. And and you know what the Washington thing says to me? You know, oftentimes you talk, you know the difference between a fan and somebody really in the know when they talk about what's actually possible. You know, why didn't we go get Aaron Rodgers? Because, well, one, there's no chance in hell that if the Green Bay Packers were forced to trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to trade him to an NFC team, especially when they're going to play this season. And two, they didn't want to be the ones that traded Aaron Rodgers. That's why they'll give him whatever he wants financially and give him some say in who his wide receivers are and give him some say in who his quarterback coach is. <laughs> right? And they're not trading them to an NFC team. So what happens is fans have a tendency to just think, 
Why didn't you go get so-and-so? Why? Because there's a lot more to it. That's actually our job. I think what's, what's happened in sports media is we become big, hot topic, just trim the, the, the services to it. And that's great. And you can have a take on big things. But the substance behind it, the reality behind it, why didn't they just trade for this guy? Why, whether it's salary cap or whether the, both teams have to want to make a deal in order for it to work. And, oh, yeah, by the way, then in these particular instances, said quarterback has to even want to go there, plus team has to want to trade him to a team in his conference. So the first thing that jumps out to me is, yes, he was not Washington's first pick. He was not their second pick. He was probably not their third pick. And I don't think he was their fourth pick. Like, just think of, in in realistic fashion, Aaron Rodgers was choice number one, can't get him. Russell Wilson, choice number two, can't get him. Whether Russ wanted to go there or didn't want to go there or they didn't want to trade him in division. Deshaun Watson, probably choice number three. But when you're being sued for, your front office being sued for sexual harassment, you can't go get Deshaun Watson. Again, the reality of it, what... He has not been charged with a crime, but just the reality of the optics, you can't do it. So now you're left with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's got shoulder surgery, or Carson Wentz. And that's where they got there. So to the fans who will always say, why didn't you go get so-and-so and such, you know, it's like, hey, we didn't try. Just have to be realistic about things. And secondly, it, it, it goes back to what has limited the Colts over the last half decade and Chris Ballard has, be, has built a talented, athletic defense. He found an absolute gem in a running back. The offensive line is not the best, but it is far from the what it had been and what so many others are. When Andrew Luck walked out that door for the 2019 season, this is what they were left with. Right, this is what they were left with. And and what happens when I mention Andrew Luck? Oh, you're a hater because you said he's the he's the most millennial thing ever. The, the the proof is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Those guys, even Philip Rivers, you want to peel them off a football field. Philip Rivers isn't playing anymore because he's not good enough anymore. Not because he doesn't want to. Same thing with Drew Brees. Tom Brady, a little bit of a different animal. That guy's Benjamin Button. Right? but generally. Quarterbacks are like Russell Wilson, where, oh, I'm out how long with a thumb? I'm going to come back two weeks early. Or Alex Smith, who is what happened to his leg was just gruesome. 17 surgeries, but he got back out there. I'm telling you, normal football culture is, hey, they're going to have to take, they're going to carry me off my last football game, especially a quarterback where guys are rarely hit nearly as hard. But it's also out of complete respect for how good he was and what they had built around him. You know, you can take shots at Ballard and say, look, he's hit as many as, as, many as some. He's missed. And their record, honestly, is, is almost parallel to that of the Chicago Bears and, you know, in, the, in the Matt Nagy era. But when you thought you had Andrew Luck and instead you had Jacoby Brissett and then you had a washed-up Phillip Rivers... And then you had a image in football rehabbing Carson Wentz, and now you're TBD yet again. It, it may feel like a win for the Colts to just get him out the building to start all over. But another new face, what wins is consistency. 
Yes, I get it. Stafford and Brady, the past two years, their new faces, they didn't need to be consistent. Right? But they're not going to get Stafford. They're not going to get Brady. <laughs> going back to the Washington football team, who started by wanting Aaron Rodgers, turned to Russell Wilson, then would love to have Deshaun Watson, figured it could, it could win with Jimmy Garoppolo, and settled on Carson Wentz. This is not the reality of it. This is not the reality of it. All right, got a lot to get to. I'm actually in Indianapolis, uh, side of the Big Ten term. I'll call a couple of the games this evening. So we do have March Madness. We do have some uh, college basketball hirings and firings that will take place. I'll give you a couple thoughts on how to make you some money over the weekend. I think these next four days, I think this is the be- these are the better four days in terms of the sport because you have well, more games, more teams playing, and they're more like-talented teams that know each other. So you actually have better and more interesting games. It's just the idea of having a school that you hadn't heard of, like Abilene Christian taking down Texas, that's what brings you back to next week. All right, coming up next, we'll get into the Russell Wilson trade. So Russell Wilson traded from Seattle to Denver. Can the next quarterback win in Seattle? Can they win with a a poorly pay, poorly paid quarterback in Seattle. And what does Russell Wilson need to succeed in Denver? I'll ask Brock Hewitt. He'll join me next in The Herd. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. In for Colin Coward, I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is The Herd, wherever you may be listening, however you may be taking in this show. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. Uh, tonight, the... I guess much-awaited return of Ben Simmons to Philadelphia, um, where Eagles, uh, Phillies, and Sixers fans will uh, try and feast on the carcass that is Ben Simmons. Like, look, I I thought actually Kevin Durant had a really good take on it. We'll get to that here upcoming uh, shortly. Uh, let me welcome in Brock Hewitt, of course, who. Um, He's synonymous with Pacific Northwest football, synonymous with not only commentary on college football, but the NFL and has covered the Seahawks for years. He joins us in the herd on Fox Sports Radio. Brock, what was your reaction immediately? Like when you saw Russell Wilson to the Broncos, what did you think? Well, I was on a walk trying to get some fresh air, Doug, and all of a sudden my phone uh, is blowing up and I answer a, a call and they said, hey, you know, can you, can you jump on? Uh, a station here in Denver. Can you can you jump on with the big news? And it's like Aaron Rodgers, you know, signing back in Green Bay is big news in Denver. I know you wanted him. He's like, no, you haven't heard. And I said, heard what? <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was pretty blown away because I just, you know, we've obviously been talking about this, Doug, in Seattle for I don't know a good year ever since Russell last year really aired his grievances and talked about his. Uh, challenges with the roster and getting hit too much and, and then even putting out four possible trade scenarios. So we knew the relationship was rocky, but I just never believed there was going to be enough of a haul nor a quarterback coming back at this stage of Pete Carroll's career at 70, 71 years of age, wanting, you know, another shot at a Super Bowl. But Pete and John got the trust of Jody Allen, the owner. She went in their direction to, to rebuild this thing, and out the door goes Russell Wilson. I argued it's 
one of the biggest sports stories, if not the biggest sports story off the field in Seattle sports history, and I'll stand by that. More than the Seahawks, uh, more than the uh, Supersonics leaving? Well, that was about a two-year runway, Doug, of villain after villain, lie after lie, politics, Clay Bennett. There were so many characters involved in that, and ultimately that ripped your heart out when they left. When Don James stepped down unexpectedly, uh, that, that stung. When Ken Griffey Jr. got traded to Cincinnati, uh, back to his hometown team, that certainly hurt. But as far as a franchise quarterback, the guy that has been at the center of the community, has raised tens of millions of dollars, still has three to four to five years of his prime left, and brought you the world championship in a, nearly a second Golly, I mean, as far as what he did in that community, Doug, I would argue off the field, it was the biggest story in Seattle sports history. Okay. Um, What do you think of what they got in return? Uh, I I thought it was a little short. I think most Seahawks fans did as well. Uh, You gave up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams, who's been an underperforming safety for you. And basically you get back those two first-round picks you traded for, for Jamal plus a second and a third and a second the following year, and some starters. I, I, not to diminish, you know, Fant and, and Shelby Harris and, and Drew Locke. Those guys have been starters, and two of them, I think, still have some upside. But, yeah, I think most Seahawks fans felt like that was that was short of, of expectations. And I think, frankly, it had to do with the fact that Russell had a no-trade clause. And he said no to Philly. He said no to Washington by all accounts. I think those were heftier returns. He wanted to be with Nathaniel Hackett. He wanted to be with an offensive-minded head coach. He wanted to be on a roster that plugging a quarterback is playoff contending right away. And I think by limiting those options, Doug, it limited some of the return back to Seattle. Doug Gottlieb in for Colin. This is the herd on Fox Sports Radio. You know, you know the interesting part is Russell going to Denver, a spot that was tailor-made for Aaron Rodgers. I, I just – I, I mean, I know a little bit about what drives Aaron Rodgers – he is not a huge fan of Russell Wilson, and that would nope. be that would be amazing, <laughs> right? If if Denver has success and Green Bay doesn't, oh my God, he's gonna be so pissed. Well, let's uh, let's also consider the timing, Doug. Um, I, I I don't think that was coincidental that hours after the biggest news story in the NFL to date this offseason with Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay, and what did Russell and his people decide to do while on the plane flying to Denver? hey, you know what, uh, let's break this story. Uh, before, right, uh, physicals could be done, before it could really be formally announced by either of the teams that had to wait for the league year to begin. <laughs> but I think that there's a little rivalry between those two. And, and my belief, pure speculation, of course, is that while on his jet to Denver, the news of Aaron Rodgers breaks, and I think Russell and his camp said, you know what, I think we can one-up that today. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's break that news with Mr. Schefter right about now. Yes. And they did just that. Little hold my little hold my beer from uh from <laughs> from Saint Saint yeah. Russ. Brock, you are our guest in the herd on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, what if I told you the plan in Seattle is to execute the same plan they executed a long time ago, right? Find a find a quarterback who and we remember his first couple years, he was just handling handing the football off and very conservative offensively and then occasionally late in the game, you know, he'd win it for you. But they won it with defense, and they won it because they didn't spend on the quarterback, and they they spent everywhere else. And they they obviously obviously drafted very well, not just in the first round, but out of the first round. But what if the plan in Seattle is like, hey, look, 
The Niners have never loved Garoppolo, and they nearly went to the Super Bowl again. There's no yep. reason we can't find a guy who makes less money and <laughs> and, and we just build a, a team because we got to rebuild a team around him. Well, I'm going to guess and, again, speculate, Doug, with some insight that that was exactly the message to Jody Allen when the season ended. If you remember, we were all waiting for the white smoke to puff out of the building uh, there in Seattle after the uh, interviews with, with Jody Allen, the owner, and Pete and John, and what was going to be the direction moving forward. And, and ultimately, I am sure that is the plan that was sold. Hey, listen, we did this before. I know it was a decade ago, but we did this before. We built a team. We built it in the image of, of defense and physicality. We've got Jordan Brooks. We've got Daryl Taylor. We've got Marquise Blair. We've got some young, hungry players. And I'm not going to compare yet to Bobby and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, but as far as just physical traits and, and splash plays, they made a bunch of them as young players. And now you got the not number nine pick. That could be a, a generational pass rusher, a starting tackle, maybe even a, a, a Richard Sherman at corner. So that was the direction that was certainly sold to ownership. And I think when Jody Allen and her team had a decision to make of, Okay, do we want to, to redo, you know, rebuild this and retool this and do it in that image, Doug, as you said, that these two did 12 years ago? Or do we want to build it around the franchise quarterback who'll be 34 this year, who we're going to have to pay? The market value now is $50 million a year. Do we want to go that direction? And I think ultimately ownership and the people around Jody Allen said, okay, in Pete and John, we will trust, and you better go draft and draft a little bit better than you have the last five to seven years. Uh, how. How difficult is it going to be for Carson Wentz, seeing as, look, if Frank Reich gives up on you? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and look, here, here, here's my thoughts on, on Washington. When they had Alex Smith, they were in first place, right? And ever since he got hurt, it's just been quarterback after quarterback after quarterback getting hurt. Or, you know, I love the Taylor Heineke story, but there's just a, there's just a ceiling there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, part of me says he doesn't have to be MVP caliber Carson Wentz. But again, when Frank Wright gives up on you, it, it, it's hard to see that. It is. I, I guess if you're Carson Wentz and his team and family and age and others, you, you probably say, I don't know if it was Frank Wright that gave up on me because I'm going to guess that was a Mr. Ursay decision, that that was above uh, Frank Reich, more than likely even above Chris Ballard, that the owner was involved. And you listen to Frank there at the Combine, it was really clear that those three were going to get their heads together. But ultimately, Jim Irsay was going to make that decision. And when you've been used to Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning for <laughs> Mr. Irsay for a couple decades, Carson Wentz's inconsistency and, and, you know, his failures at the end of the year were just, were just not palatable. And certainly in the final year of his contract, not one where they were going to extend him long term. So, yeah, you go, you know, from Philly, some of the most tough, brutal fans there are, to an indie to the Midwest with Frank Reich and, and all of that positivity. And now you go right back into a media market in Washington, a fan base that will not be easy on him. And this just certainly feels like make or break time in his career if he's truly going to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and yeah, back in that, and that division is not great. And if if they're healthy, we saw him when, when Chase Young is healthy. That's as good a defensive front as there is in football. So he does, again doesn't have to be superhuman; just has to be solid. And maybe it's more about leadership than it is actually about his play. Yeah, and just just a consistency, Doug. I mean, that is the hardest thing for these young guys. And that is why I think we've seen so much churn 
you know, through these years, even the Carson Wentz and Jared Goff that got their big contracts, right, that were first-round picks, that got the big deal from the team that drafted them. But, man, fighting this game from the neck up, and, and I know that firsthand. It decimated me. It was one of the hardest challenges. And you look at a lot of these young quarterbacks, not the physical traits. He's got size. He's got talent. He's done it before at a very high level. But just consistently doing it and emotionally and mentally and then ultimately, as you said, leading a locker room that believes in that consistency of your leadership, that certainly has been Carson's challenge as it is many young quarterbacks' challenge over the last decade. Yeah, no, it's a great point, you know, and, and now you're carrying the, the reputation of the being in different spots of, of locker rooms, at least partially divided uh, in, in, your, in your past. Is there is, – Sam Donald's got to be the next guy to be moved, right? Like the only um, if, if if there's no clarity on Deshaun Watson, Sam Donald's got to be the next guy, doesn't he? I think so. And again, I'd probably put him right in that camp, just shoulder to shoulder, right? And and he's not had the moments that Carson did. I mean, Carson has had stretches where he carried that team and carried <laughs> carried them to the playoffs and everything else. Sam has unfortunately, you know, as he has said, seen a lot of ghosts. I think he's heard a lot and felt the weight of expectations in New York that crippled him you go to Carolina you start hot get beat up you fall again and man it is just uh it is a it is a difficult difficult journey for a young quarterback and those that get calloused right those that just get hardened those whose skin gets thickened you know have at times rebounded and and bounced back but there's been many many stories more stories of those that just get burned and just physically and mentally and emotionally just can't do it, can't put it together and can't go, can't go leave. But, yeah, I think he would be next. Marcus Mariota I think is a very intriguing prospect. I think you'll hear his name in a bunch of different markets. I know Mitch Trubisky is a name that has been very popular. That's one that I would question and I certainly would not give significant, significant money to. But there are those young QBs that, uh, that do have those scars and that have been burned in this league that will get another opportunity. Garoppolo, obviously, they, they'd like to move him, but he's got the shoulder shoulder surgery. Um, how? I mean, you know, anytime you have a shoulder surgery, the guy's going to come out, he'll be back, he'll be back to normal. But how do you know? I mean, he's already you had don't. he already he's already had major all these different injuries, some small, some major, like the knee a couple years ago. Yep. And now he's got a shoulder issue. Like this, we're, yep. we're getting to the Cam Newton level, beaten up body. You are, and you're getting to the most important ability at this stage. I mean, I think he, from the neck up, is pretty good, Doug. I think he's pretty hardened. I think he's pretty mentally tough. But he's just got a body that just time and time and time again has just proved unreliable. And that greatest ability is reliability, right, is durability. It's what the greats do. It's what, you know, Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady and those just did remarkably well for decade after decade. And unfortunately for Jimmy, just at every turn, at every single season, he has just had a, a hiccup along the way. And ultimately, Kyle and crew drafted there in his replacement at number three for a reason. Uh, but he too, Teddy Bridgewater, he probably put in that camp. Again, not quite the ceiling of a Jimmy Garoppolo or, or a past resume. But there will be ample options, you know, once these dominoes start falling. And now they have fallen. Now Aaron has found his home. Russell has found his home. The Deshaun Watson news will come out today as far as the grand jury and, and the criminal and the civil, you know, moving forward with that. I think the rest of the league's waiting for that domino to fall. And then you will see a handful of these names, at least in spring, provide some hope around the draft and around OTAs and training camp. There will be some hope. There will be some nice stories written about a bunch of these guys. Ultimately, some will hit, 
um, but the majority, unfortunately, will fail and will leave organizations searching and clamoring to fill that most important void. Well, you, you, you mentioned Deshaun. You mentioned Deshaun, and I, I would I would tend to believe that because of the stories and the lawsuit and allegations against front office people of the past with the commanders that they can't they couldn't touch him anyway, right? There's just no way. Yeah. No. That was um, not gonna happen there. What are, what about there... what about Se- what about a city like Seattle? Would they be uh, again again and this is under the assumption we have no idea uh, that there wouldn't be criminal charges, right? If there's criminal charges you can't not nobody can do anything. But correct. if there's no criminal charges in a city like Seattle can would, would how would how would Jody Allen react to that? That'd be a hard one. That'd be that would be in a progressive city with a progressive owner. I think uh, that that has made a stand and, and said things publicly of where she stands in that case of domestic abuse and sexual assault and everything else, and and even with the uh, the Seagulls changing their uniforms and everything, I, I'd have a hard time believing um, that the Seahawks would be the one that pulled the trigger. You hear reports about it. You're certainly hearing people in the media say, you know, they are they're loading up and they're doing their research and, and they will and. And I'll say this, Doug, I mean, you know, my buddy Mike Salk, and you know Mike well, he said all the time, like, you never really know these guys. Be very careful, fans. You never really know on either side of the aisle, you know, what kind of guy they are. And he's one that that, that fooled me, you know. Um, If you would have said to me, I mean, I I probably, Doug, in my college and doing the NFL, probably called 15 of his games, Mm -hmm. at least a dozen over his career, been around him been a day with him and doing media work you know talk to coaches and and trainers and sports information directors and students and man was he loved by everybody at every turn all around him and when that story broke over a year ago gosh that was just it was disheartening it was sickening and i would have not ever pegged him as as the one to to be in this situation and in the turmoil that he put himself in no, I, I, I know he had a ton of positive equity, but even cashing it all in, I'm, I'm, I just there, there's certain places where that's a, that's a no go, and I, it's going to be fascinating to see. Regardless of you know, regardless of proof of guilt, right? There's no proof of yep. guilt. It's just the the volume of stories, and it's yeah. enough to, to to cause to cause pause. Brock, great stuff as always. Hope you're well, and thank you so much for joining us in the herd. You got it, Doug. Always a blast, man. All right, let's get you to Ryan Music with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. Hello, Ryan. We have a microphone issue. We have a microphone issue. We have a microphone issue. Hey, thanks, Doug. Uh, Let me get to the news here. Hey, Doug. How are you? I'm good. You know, sometimes you got to use the on switch, the off switch. There's other knobs and other controls that lead to uh, whether or not your mic works. And, hey, sometimes it takes a minute or two. It does. What do you got? I'm glad you were there to fill time for a second. Well, you and uh, Brock spent a lot of time there talking about the different quarterback moves that could or could not be on the market. And right now, we're keeping an eye on the Colts and what they're going to do now that they've moved on with Carson Wentz. Someone who you did talk about is someone who's been reported about by Ian Rappaport. The Colts are looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll Mm. say this, Doug. If I'm Indianapolis, I think 
Jimmy G is probably your best option. Now, obviously, I know the shoulder surgery situation is not ideal, considering you won't be able to get much information on how he's doing until about the stroke of midnight before the season's starting. But when you look at Jimmy G, what he's done basically in San Francisco, Indianapolis has a good offensive line. They have a great running game. Obviously, I don't think Michael Pittman is quite on the same level as a Debo Samuel, but good enough and a good defense. I think that's about the best they can do at this point in time. I mean, I think it's him or Sam Donald, you know, right? And Sam Donald's been hurt a lot as well, uh, but hasn't his peak hasn't been as the peak of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So uh, th- those are your two guys you're left with, you know, in terms of possibility of making a move to get him. Um, you know, Trubisky would be the other guy. The reason that Trubisky is valuable in New York is because he was with Dayball in uh, in Buffalo and the the knowledge of the system. But yeah, that's that's about as good as you can get. And yeah, and I will one say thing, one thing you can count on is Jimmy G is going to throw at least two balls that could be just picked, right? <laughs> and that he's going to get hurt. Of, it's going to come at a very inopportune time as well. Don't forget that stipulation about. Uh, Jimmy G in his pick. I mean, look, look, Stafford threw one in, in that. Uh, uh, yeah, was, that was dropped by. Um, in the NFC Championship yeah, game, right? Yeah. I mean, it was an arm punt. Yeah. <laughs> so they all do it. It's just the percentage of times in which Jimmy G does it is like twice a game. Yeah, and I will say this about Jimmy G, and I, I know in our time working together over the years, this is a big thing for you. Based off of the reports that we've heard about Carson Wentz, this had a lot to do with things beyond just football, X's and O's, execution, playing well, not playing well, and a lot to do with who they thought Carson Wentz was as a leader in the locker room. One thing, considering all his flaws, that almost everyone can agree upon with Jimmy G, yeah, he's teammates good have always liked him. No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's where, you know, Colin was, Colin, I think Colin was even off with about the dating habits thing, just because it doesn't matter what you and I think of who he dates. Only that matters is what those guys in the locker right. room think. Those 52 other dudes, 45 other dudes on game day, those are the guys that matter. And as you pointed out, and you're right, those guys like Jimmy G. Jimmy G's got a little swag to them. Absolutely. Well, Doug, we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to return to the Green Bay Packers. Sure. Now that leaves one question about teams that are keeping their eye on the quarterback market. What are we supposed to do with Jordan Love? Uh, former NFL quarterback and now analyst uh, Dan Orlovsky pointed out that three years ago, Green Bay went up in the draft to 26th to take Jordan Love. Teams that they went ahead of were the Seattle Seahawks, the Tennessee Titans, Minnesota Vikings, Indianapolis Colts, and Detroit Lions. What do you do with Jordan Love if you're the Green Bay Packers at this point? I keep him. I keep him. Aaron Rodgers is still 37, 38 years old, right? Jordan Love cost me like nothing. That's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. Keep him. Now, at the end of this coming year, you got to make a decision, right? And at, at some point, because you're not going to pick up the, the fifth-year option unless, you know, somehow, God forbid, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. But no, he, why would you move him? Uh, yeah, you're, I mean. You're, you're going to get pennies. On, if somebody wants to give me a second-round pick, you can have him. But, but otherwise. I don't think any move? team's doing that. I mean, fair or not fair, I don't think any team's doing that based off of no, I don't think the they are stuff either, that but we have seen from Jordan Love hasn't necessarily been promising either. I don't I don't I don't think they are either. Yeah. But what I, what I'm saying is right. 
he you're, he's making like a million dollars next year, which a lot to you and me, but to for an NFL quarterback, Aaron Rodgers still has. What if he gets hurt? You have a guy who's been in the system for now. It would be his third year. Like, why would you just why would you just give it away? It's still a value. It still has an asset that you may in fact need. Totally, and I know you've been on this uh, for a while, going to back when this trade happened. Like, let's not forget Aaron Rodgers, not necessarily made out of steel himself. The worst case scenario for Jordan Love, it's an expensive insurance policy that you never have to use. But for example, take a look at the Indianapolis Colts right now. Would you rather be in their situation? Would you rather be where no. I don't know, even the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, no, but that, honestly, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the are the mirror, right? Like yeah. Mason Rudolph. You know, to to this point, have you said Mason Rudolph is absolutely the guy? No, but you know what? He's been in that system even now the second year with this new system. And that gives you the greater possibility of whether it's success or just keeping your head above water until you find that next quarterback. You keep kind of reaching for guys and going outside the outside what you got. I mean, like, look, Jordan, you thought enough of Jordan Love to move up and take him late in the first round. You know, he was going to be your guy if, if Aaron left. It's obviously going to be a drop-off, but why would you just give away – a guy who you still may have a use for. What, for some Scott Tolzien or somebody just sit there as a consummate backup? No thanks. We'll wrap it up with this, Doug. Right in your wheelhouse, college basketball. In the first half of the Florida State-Syracuse game of the ACC tournament, Buddy Bayheim fighting for position down low, threw a punch into the stomach of Florida State's White Wilkes. You know, some controversy, obviously. It wasn't necessarily caught live in the moment, but Jim Beheim was asked about it after the game, and here's what he had to say about his son, Buddy, throwing a punch. Early in the first half, there appeared to be a play where Buddy caught a Florida State player in the midsection. I saw the play. The kid pushed him twice, and he swung around and hit him. And I think it was inadvertent, but that's okay. No, I don't think he hit I just, just He just swung around, and it was contact. The kid pushed him twice. You can't just let people push you around. Now, Doug, regardless of, you know, being an analyst, knowing college basketball as well as you do, yeah, you are the son of a coach, and now you are a father of a son who you regularly coach. Very difficult situation to be in, I'm sure. No, I mean, he did sound like every day, like, he pushed him first. <laughs> but I thought the, I thought the last part was, was the good part, where Bayheim's like, look, he can't be pushed around. You're right, but you got to do it. You can't throw a punch. <laughs> Right. Look, these things happen. And, you know, a guy, a guy chicken wings you enough when he's setting a screen on you, you catch him in between the legs. And you know what? He doesn't do it anymore. Or you catch a guy with an elbow when somebody's not looking. The problem is it's hard to get away with now. He got caught. Now he's got to sit when they play Duke today. Dems the breaks. Like we've we all know the deal. You got to be more sly than that. Uh, it, it appeared to be some form of punch. You got to sit a game. That's the rules. And that. Uh, and that's uh, Rhyme Music with the News. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Oh, how are the Sixers fans? Sixers fans going to treat Ben Simmons tonight? We'll take a wild guess next in The Herd. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. 
I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever you get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb in for Colin. This is The Herd. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you earned at the end of your first year. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Uh, we'll get to the Lakers and uh, what befell them last night. Is that befell? Befell's too many letters for Wordle. I've not done my Wordle yet today. Uh, this, this is uh, Kevin Durant talking about Ben Simmons and, and if he planned to talk to Ben Simmons about what he's in for in return to Philadelphia. There's going to be some, you know, something that might, you know, some words that may trigger you as personally, and, but that's just how fans are. They want to get into our skin. They want to let their voices be heard. Some people don't even enjoy basketball. They just like, you know, their lives are so that they, they get to just aim it at other people, you know, so it's easy to kind of get that release at a basketball game. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I think I think that in basketball especially, fans think that they play a factor, and we do uh, we do kind of we have an infatuation with the with, with the heckler with the funny sign, right? I mean, like college game day has made a made a tradition out of focusing on the signs, and the signs have to be more and more clever. I mean, look, there's just a line, you know, if a mechanic would drop his wrench then you're probably over the line. If you're probably over the line. Probably over the line. And and Ben Simmons is going to show up and he's going to sit there and but I I I don't know how he got It's okay to boo. It's okay to make up some funny chance. For whatever reason though, especially weekday games in the Northeast. Weeknight games in the Northeast. It is a different energy to that crowd. And then you factor in it's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia and New York. The Knicks, not not, not Brooklyn. Different vibe. Those two places, especially, there's a different energy there. Like, you know, go back to Trey Young in the playoffs. Like, you know, there, there's a line there. The problem with the, there's just a percentage that go over the line, and it's gross. No reason you can't come up with Plenty of hilarious Ben Simmons chants. Right. You can the we don't we didn't want you, you know something about the shooting. There's a a, a million things you can do. Again, the, the, just the problem is they go overboard. It's like guy 101, right? Where if you you have a group a group of guys, there's always going to be a guy who wants to wants to start something, wants to bump shoulders in with somebody else at a bar. I mean, it's like the, the the hangover crew, only you add a couple guys in there, and you always have somebody who wants to fight. You got somebody who wants to fight. You got somebody who's unlucky in love and somebody who's lucky in love. You got a couple of normal dudes in the middle, you know, and a couple other, couple guys that are hotheads. Like, that's the way it all works. Um, unfortunately, in Philadelphia, there's not only a kind of tradition of being that way, and somehow it's like, it's it's viewed as hey, yeah that, that's that's how we roll we threw snowballs at Santa nothing's off limits 
it's just you. It, this to me is a lot like the the Howard Stern show. Like, look, I I listen to Stern, listen to him now. But I used to I I would think I've always thought it was more clever pushing the lines of what you could get away with instead of when there's just no rules and you can just say whatever. Right? If you could be clever up to a point, but once you get past that level, it can just be crass. It's the same thing with fans. It's the same thing. What's I think more interesting is, you know, they go down and, and Kyrie drops a 50-burger. Can they win the game? Can they win some of these games against a difficult schedule when Ben Simmons ultimately gets back? And where can they get in the playoffs? Because, look, as much as as it, it didn't appear to work with James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they were going to go to the NBA final. They were going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks if not for Kyrie getting hurt. Harden wasn't even right, wasn't even healthy. They were going to beat the Bucks. It wasn't a crazy competitive series until uh, until Kyrie went down. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually a little bit more of a buyer into the Nets than others are. Do I Look, do I think it's, it's perfect marriage? No. I think it's a better fit because Ben Simmons doesn't necessarily need the ball or doesn't need to take shots and can help you with those other things. I wish he would have played tonight, but it may be too soon in the process. And by process, I mean the process of building some confidence in taking shots. Like for me, for Ben Simmons to ever reach his heights, he doesn't have to be a great shooter, but he has to be willing to take them. And that's, that takes like a year of, of actually playing. Because you can take all the practice shots you want. But until you take them and you're willing to miss them in a game, until they get, he gets to a coach who takes him out when he doesn't shoot shots that he darn well should shoot. Like, until he gets to that point, there's going to be no level of confidence in him. And you can't just all of a sudden have confidence in shooting when you've never had in the NBA <laughs> in March or April of a potentially championship season. That, that one is a new one. I do believe, like as somebody who had lost, completely lost confidence in a jump shot, you can get it back. It just takes a long time. takes a lot of the right coaching. takes complete belief of all your teammates around you. And he can get all those things. I just don't think he can get those things in this short order. All right, coming up next. Uh, stop me if you heard this before. But the Lakers lost. And they didn't just lose. They lost to the Houston Rockets. And by the way, LeBron James didn't take the last shot. We'll discuss it next in The Herd.